Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from our midweek service with evangelist John Tahaji in a message entitled, The Cost of Suffering. Enjoy this message. Well, good evening, everybody. What a pleasure it is to be in the house of the Lord. You may be seated. Please be seated. I kindly ask that you be seated. Man, God is good. Where's the cameraman at? I get terrible photos. Let's just knock this out. <laughs> Love you, bro. Alright, alright. Cool. Alright. Man, Reach Church, I I just want to say what a blessing 2021 has has been to the church. Like the body of Christ, the network of Reach, and just in so many ways, we have been so blessed, and I believe that the hand of God and the favor of God is on this church. And I believe that starts with the leadership of our pastors. So I want to honor our pastors, Pastor Omar, Sister Letty. We love you. We honor you. It's been truly a privilege and an honor for me to serve uh, under your leadership in this season. Uh, and it's just, just truly great. When you begin to think about the growth in our numbers in this church, I mean, look, this church is full consistently full almost every service and you look at the leaders that are being developed you look at the connect groups that are growing and the disciples and the spiritual maturation of people God's hand has surely been on this church this year I don't want to take away from God that's something that he's worthy to be praised about and we're not going to take anything away but I think if there's any but to add at the end of that sentence it's this When you begin to look at every single individual in this place, when you break it down, when you break down the body of Christ to individuals, you sitting here with your circumstances, maybe 2021 hasn't been so great. It almost feels like a personal attack. Dare I say this church, but I know the kingdom of God, there's just been an attack on your life destroy anything good that you may have and how how could that be how could there be blessing in the body of Christ while there is suffering in the midst of the individual tonight I want to talk about a part of the gospel that is not easy to talk about I believe that it's the most neglected part of the gospel and I find absolutely no joy in speaking about this other than pleasing my father in heaven is releasing the Holy Spirit, what the, what the Holy Spirit has put on my heart. And this word has been on my heart for about a month now. So I've had plenty of time to study, to read. There's a culmination and compilation of, of my favorite preachers and pastors that preach on this subject. And, and my goodness, it's almost been easy now because Pastor Omar has been speaking about it the last two Sundays. And Diga was here last week and gave an amazing message about it. And, and I want to give you what the Holy Spirit has given you, uh, given me on my heart. And we're in this theme of, in our church, of the cost of Christmas. But today I want to talk about the cost of suffering. And this subject matter applies to every single person that has breath. Young or old, not even children are exempt from this. And you're sitting in your seat. And you're almost kind of cringing and kind of old things are starting to pop up and say, well, now I got to deal with this again. This is kind of coming up. And my hope is to give you understanding and clarity regarding the suffering that we have on this life, on this earth. And my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will reveal to you tonight answers that I believe only He can reveal. So let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, for your goodness, for your grace. Lord, I am but a vessel. I am but a mouthpiece, Lord. 
I humble myself, Lord, before all of these people, God, in the presence of, uh, of the Almighty God. And I ask, Lord, that you would use me to declare your word. This is your word. I am but a messenger. And I thank you, God, for your goodness and your grace over my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pastor Omar shared this quote on Sunday. I'm going to share it again. It's by James Dobson. And in his book, he says this. Interestingly enough, pain and suffering do not cause the greatest damage. Confusion is the factor that shreds one's faith. The human spirit is capable of withstanding enormous discomfort, including the prospect of death, if the circumstances make sense. Meaning to say that suffering and pain is easier when it makes sense. Unjust or unforeseen suffering is one of the greatest problems that grips the heart of humans today. We struggle with frustration. We struggle with anger. We struggle with the uncertainty when the trials that are just strange and unexpected begin to land at our doorsteps. And too often in those most difficult times and moments in our lives, confusion will reign. For some of us, even people in this room, those of you guys online, whoever may come across this video, you will have moments of suffering in your life if you have not already. Some of you have had moments of suffering this year alone. Some of us will deal with seasons of suffering. It could be months. It could be years. It could be decades. Seasons of suffering. And I hate to say it, but the truth is that some people will deal with a lifetime of suffering. They will die in their suffering. I look at the stories and I look at the people in this room. Things that I'm aware of, things that have happened to this church alone just this year. I'm reminded of, of Pastor Mike Neville, who was our pastor's pastor. Came from Oklahoma, came to, to start a church, what we know as Praise Chapel. And in the prime of his ministry, he gets cancer. And he passes away. Can you, a man, a man of God. Starting a ministry that will bear fruit, that even bears fruit today from the pastors that we love and adore. How could this happen? Pastor Omar and Sister Lethe, they're open about sharing this testimony. Is while they were pastoring, they've had a miscarriage of, of twins. A man and woman of God are pastors who've dealt with suffering. We have... Our assistant pastors who, it, their father passed away earlier this year. A mighty man of God that we love and adore that was also a part of the great move of Praise Chapel. And Woody Calvary passes away tragically, unexpectedly. These things happen. They land on our doorsteps. What do we do? I look at your guys, some of your guys' life. The marriages that are unable to conceive. And they see the people bringing in their newborn child. And they see the people announcing their pregnancy. Just wishing God will bless their womb. What about the parents that have to care for their physically and mentally disabled child? They have to give their life sacrificially for long seasons. People's bodies are racked with pain and constant pain. I think of my grandma. Mighty woman of God faithful she gets married at the age of 14 she loses her firstborn son at the age of 20 he was 21 years old 
And now she's in a marriage where that's completely and unhealthy and by no standards is it a good marriage. Physically, verbally abuse, abusive marriage. And now all her kids are grown and they're, and they're doing their own thing in life and they're failing as parents. And now this grandma has to raise her grandchildren. Now she's racked with pain from the moment that she wakes up to the moment she goes to bed. With her withered hands, her joints unable to bend, needs help to use the restroom. A woman of God. Last week, Diga held an altar call. And he said, is there anybody in this place dealing with this severe illness? And I've seen a mighty woman of God that I admire. And she answers the call for breast cancer. I think of some of the families in here that, that deal with breast cancer. Wondering if their children are going to grow up without a mother. I got to sell my cars. I got to sell my house. And now they're dealing with, why do I got to deal with this? My kids don't deserve this. I worked hard for all of this. And now they're racked with finances and medical bills. You got failed marriages. I know my marriage went, at one point was on the brink of divorce. We never said it, but my goodness, it brought me to a place of suffering to where I wanted to kill myself. It was a rough time. Maybe some of you guys on the brink of divorce failed marriages. I mean, what drawer do we put this in? The suffering that we face in this life. Now we hear this, trust God. And I can tell you that's the absolute best advice that any single one of us can hear. That is true. Trust the Lord. But when we don't understand the reasoning for our suffering, we can't find peace and we'll begin to compartmentalize and never fully heal. Pain, trials, sorrows, real stories of suffering in this room and all across the world. What do we do with this suffering when we feel like God won't move? Lord, I've been praying. Name it and claim it and nothing's happening. Lord, I said, I said the prayer in Jesus' name. We're praying every single day. We ask the church to pray. What do we do when we feel like God isn't here? And God doesn't answer prayer. And I know one thing that every single one of us have wrestled with is, why God? Why have you allowed this to happen to me? Why is this going on? And then when we get over why God, we struggle with when God there's Pendulette, he's uh, is, I don't know, he's from Penn and Teller, I just know he's in Las Vegas. There's, some of you guys know him, maybe the, maybe the young guns don't know him. <laughs> he says this, this is a quote that he says, he says, Believing there is no God means the suffering I've seen in my family and indeed all the suffering in the world isn't caused by omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent force that isn't bothered to help or is just testing us. So what he's saying on behalf of the rest of his atheist friends, is since there is suffering in this world, there is no God. The unbeliever, they say, if there is a God, why does he allow suffering? And the Christian says, because I'm suffering, where is God? And modern Christianity does not help with the argument against the atheist. 
Because we preach in America and we preach in churches all across this world. We say, if you come to Jesus, you'll live a perfect life with no pain, no suffering. He promises a life of blessing. Come to him for the house. Come to him for the car. Come to him for all of these great things. Come to him for the marriage. If you come to him, he promises great things. A perfect road with no speed bumps. A perfect flight with no turbulence. And people constantly and consistently buy into this garbage. They buy into it from the conferences. They buy into it by their favorite preachers on social media. And they're disappointed. Why? Because they bought into a Jesus that does not exist. Not the Jesus that I serve. Not the Jesus in the word of God. And they're disappointed because they bought into something that doesn't exist. And I don't blame the mega church pastor and the influence pastor as much as I blame the person listening. Why? Because as people and as believers, as Paul's saying, are you still drinking baby milk when you should have been grown a long time ago? And it's these people that are spiritually anemic, spiritual liabilities, Why? Because you have bought into sermons and not the scriptures. You constantly and consistently buy into a sermon on a Wednesday night, on a Sunday night, and you don't read the word that is considered your daily bread. And you're leaving the word of God, your daily bread that you got on Sunday and got on Wednesday, and you're trying to save it for leftovers, wondering why you're still starving. This causes people to believe That God is not good. That God is not mighty. And, and, and we've breathed, we, we have breathed this, this generation that has become entitled to believe I should not be struggling. I should not have to endure this. I have a right to want what I want from God. I have a right to not deal with these things. But I ask you this one question. Who says? This is the reality. That suffering exists. Evil exists and it's inevitable, inevitable because we live in a broken, fallen world where free will and choices allow suffering. God tells Eve, you can have everything, just not the fruit of this tree. And we're experiencing suffering because of her choice. Free will and choices. We have limited knowledge as human beings. We don't understand everything. That's why the word of God says we walk by faith and not by sight. It's almost impossible to understand every single thing on the reasons why it is happening. And the truth of the matter is that while suffering is here, as it is here, it is, as it is amongst us in this room, it will not be eradicated and it will not leave until Jesus returns. I don't have all the answers for you today. I don't. I don't understand all the reasons why you're dealing with what you're dealing with. And I don't have a theological answer to why God hasn't moved on your, situ- on your situation. I know some of you are mad at God and some of you have been mad at God for certain reasons that are unfortunate in your life. And we've wrestled with the existence of God and what I'm going through. And you can't reconcile the existence of a loving God And what you're going through. And so because of that, you're afraid to buy into Christianity. Because of that, you're afraid to go all in. Because of that, you're afraid to heal. You're afraid to move on. 
And there are some people in this room, some people that might be, be watching, you say, I'm afraid to buy into Christianity because I seen a Christian go through something and they didn't keep their testimony. They curse God. And you're sitting on the fence. So, there's got to be something to explain how we go about our life with suffering. How do we deal with suffering on this earth? There's got to be something to explain. So what are we going to do? We're going to look at the word of God. That's all we got. That's all we need is the word of God. Peter, he's the eyewitness, he's the eyewitness of the life of Christ. One of the first disciples, part of the inner circle, mighty man of God. One of the first pastors in the, in, in the first church. And he's writing to the church in Rome, to, the, to minor Asia. And this minor Asia is ruled by Rome. And if you know anything about Rome at this time, is that there was a man named Nero, who was an evil man. And his failed leadership as a Roman emperor... He decided that he was going to blame the Christians for a certain instance, for a certain time, and put all his insecurities, all his failures on the Christians. This is what he decided to do. But it wasn't enough to just kill them. He wanted to humiliate them. Nero was an evil man. We're all mature here. I'm going to share, share a little bit of how he persecuted Christians. He used to grab long stakes, poles. And he would impale Christians because they wouldn't deny the faith. Or simply just because they were caught at church. He would impale them through the anus and out of the mouth and leave them, leave them there. Crucifixion wasn't enough. He would grab women, knock down their door, pull them from their bed. And the last thing that their husband seen before his wife died was her being raped. All from Nero's orders. Nero would grab children and he would feed them to wild animals, wild dogs. And as if that wasn't enough, he would, this is all on Wikipedia, whatever, wherever it's, he, they, they write more about him in the history books than they do in the Bible. He, he would grab people and he would use them as human torches for his, for his dinner parties. So Peter, the pastor of the first church, what does he say? I got to write to these people. I got to get a letter. I got to make some social media post. I got to come up with some type of message to reach these people that are suffering. And what, do, what does he say? I know what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, hold on, help is on the way. He doesn't say, hide until it all blows over. Because it's going to blow over. Just hide. You'll be fine. This year was hard. But if you give to this certain ministry, 2022 might be better. He doesn't say any of this. He doesn't say come to midweek service. Join us. Here's a flyer. No. He doesn't say that. You know what he says? He says this. In First, in first Peter chapter 4 verse 1. He writes this. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude because whoever suffers in his body is done with sin you mean to tell me you're, you're not going to preach about the blessing that's to come how easy your life is going to be this is what you have to write me my wife and children are dead 
I'm next to die. You mean to tell me to arm myself with the same attitude that Christ had? This is the same attitude that I'm supposed to guard my heart with? Guard my mind with? What about my physical body that's about to die? I'm about to be tortured. You want me to arm myself with the same attitude that Christ had? You sitting in your chair, dealing with the suffering that you've dealt with all year? The suffering that you're going to deal with come Christmas time because it gets a little harder when you're alone because the person that all you've known and love is gone. This is how you're telling me to arm myself with, with the attitude of Christ. Well, what was Christ's attitude? What was Jesus's attitude? Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. They will persecute you too. The world hated me. They will hate you too. He also says, if anyone will be my disciple, he must deny himself, he must pick up his cross, and he must follow me. Deny myself? You mean that I got to deny the way that you made me? You're telling me that I have to refrain from lust? You're telling me that I have to refrain from greed and anger and all of these things that make me unrighteous? This brings on suffering. There's so much turmoil inside. You mean to carry my cross? I understand that we wear it around our neck and we place it all around America because it's something that the Lord has made good. But this is an instrument of death. You mean to carry my cross, an instrument of death? Follow you? Following you leads to death. Eleven of the twelve disciples were martyred. And the other person killed himself. And now the first church being persecuted. This is the same Jesus that told Peter, the same Jesus, he says, in this life you will have trouble. And then Jesus tells Peter, he says, Peter, you're going to do great things. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? That's great. You're going you're gonna to do amazing things, Peter. But when you're old, they will crucify you. They will kill you the same way that they're going to kill me. After greatness, he's old now, and he's going to be crucified. And this is the attitude of Jesus? That You want me to arm myself with that attitude? First Peter chapter 4, verse 10, it says this. Peter continues to write to the, to the persecuted church. He says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as a faithful steward of God's grace in various forms. Hold up. You mean in my suffering... You still want me to serve others? What does that look like today? Hold on, God. You still want me to show up to church and serve in the children's church? You mean that I got to do all of these things and serve other people? You know why? You know why? Because when you serve others, the Lord looks at you as the greatest in the room. But not only that, you begin to minimize your problems and you begin to alleviate the problems of others. This is an honorable mention. This isn't speculation. I want to, uh, I just want to tell the Sanchez family, Elaine Sanchez, how, how blessed and how much strength that I have, uh, and how, how much I've just drawn from her faith. She hasn't missed a service. 
She has it. I, the other day, I seen her helping my son in the nursery and her husband. Her husband is in the ICU and have no idea when he's going to get out. Suffering that we face. And you're telling me that I have to serve? If anyone speaks, they should do so as the one who speaks the very word of God. This is why I refuse to water down the gospel. This is why I refuse to spew out garbage that anybody can eat up. It's easy to do that. That's why. I don't, listen, I'm just going to say this for fun. I don't care if I'm a non-traveling evangelist in next year, two years, three years, four years. It doesn't matter to me. Because I already know, and the Lord, listen, I know every prophet tells you, you do this, and God's called you, and you're going to do great things. This is what the Lord has told me. He said, John, people will not invite you to church because of what you preach. I said, praise God. I said, Lord, this ministry is yours. I will go where you want me to go. So if anyone speaks, they should do so as the one who speaks the very word of God. If anyone serves, they should do so... With the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Christ Jesus. To him be the glory and power. Forever and ever. Amen. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do so with the strength to serve. In verse 12 of chapter 4, it says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Can you imagine being the pastor and telling a persecuted church, why do you think this is weird? Why do you think you, you losing your life for the profession of the faith is weird? We don't hear that. Not at all. And you know why we're caught off guard with that? With that mentality? It's because we've bought into fake gospels. We've bought into gospels that are chained to prosperity. we bought into gospels that are chained by people's circumstances. And we struggle because we bought into sermons and not scriptures. The truth hurts. Like a lot. This isn't feel good preaching. But it'll keep you strong. It'll keep you strong in the toughest trials of life. And it'll keep you going. But some of you want to go around to every church... Hop around, connect groups, and find any leader that will just listen to you. And you're blown in any direction to whatever doctrine fits you best at the time. But you won't listen to the real truth. First Peter chapter 4, we're going to go to 15. It says this, if you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Some of you have suffered enough on this life. Some of you have been to prison. Some of you got multiple baby daddies and baby mamas. Some of you have had multiple divorces. You have suffered far too long on this earth because of your own affliction. But can I tell you, if you suffer for the name of God, there is meaning. There is meaning in your suffering. The cost of your suffering brings glory to God. Verse 17, for the time has come for the judgment to begin at the house of God. You will be judged first. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end to those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good. As to a faithful creator. 
This is my favorite part. But it's my hardest, it's the hardest part. First Peter chapter five, verse 10. He says this in, in his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, this time on this earth is a little while. These days that you live are a little while. These decades, everything is but a little while. And if you don't understand eternity, you will die in your suffering. Your suffering will overtake you. And confusion will kill you inside as you die a thousand deaths every single day to the same thing over and over and over. But if you understand eternity, you'll understand that anything temporary is tolerable. Name your suffering. What is it? It's tolerable because it's temporary. I'm a part of this earth, but I don't belong on it. My life here on this earth is temporary. To my wife and my children, I love you. But this life is temporary. I will be a good steward of the life that God has given me. But I plan for my first year in heaven more than I, I plan for my first 10 years in retirement. Because we have to understand eternity. And understand that these days on this earth is for a little while. Continue with the verse. It says, he will restore, support, and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. It's but a little while. I understand life isn't fair and things are hard and it gets frustrating and it's hard. Like, I get it. I've been through suffering on my own and I thank the Lord that that's, that it hasn't been worse because there are people in this room that have dealt with worse things. But can I tell you, it's for a little while that God, if you keep the testimony, if you stay faithful and you count the cost, that he will get the glory and there are other people attached to your obedience. Paul, we all know Paul, Saul of Tarsus. This man worked for Nero, probably his best soldier. Eyewitness also of, of, of things that have gone on and he persecuted Christians brutally. And because of God calling him, in the transformation of his life, he's now responsible for two-thirds of the New Testament. Paul, the greatest evangelist, the greatest missionary this world has ever known. Persecuting Christians. And now there's just a redemption story. And God tells this man, Ananias. He says, Ananias, I'm going to use you. You're going to speak to Paul. And Ananias says, I know this Saul of Tarsus. I know who he is. But surely it must be you, Lord. So this is what he says. He says in Acts chapter 9, verse 6, 15 through 16, it says, But the Lord said to Ananias, Go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. Paul also going to do amazing things for God before he even knows it. Chosen. God's chosen instrument. Pastor Omar, God's chosen instrument. Pastor Isaac, Pastor Rob, Pastor Jacob, Diga, God's chosen instrument. You sitting here, God's chosen instrument. But check this out. Ananias, 
I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Life is going to be great. You're going to do great things. Young Pastor Omar, you're going to do great things. You sitting here, you're going to do great things. I tell my wife, you're going to do great things. My daughter, you're going to do great things. But with your great life, in your greatness, you will suffer. You will deal with things that will cause you to break, that will want to take your faith. And Paul was tattooed with suffering. For Christ's name's sake. I'm just going to share what I've heard. All right? I don't think too much of it. Thankful for it, though. John, you're a great preacher. But you don't know the price that I paid. My wife is a great singer, anointed. But you don't know the price that she paid. We look at this network, Reach Network. So vibrant, so just... God's hand. But you don't know the price that Pastor Omar and Sister Letty paid. It's mingled with your greatness. You will suffer. And it will hurt. You will be marked by suffering just like Paul. If I could have the worship team come up. We talk about Paul, right? Being tattooed with suffering. Marked by suffering. And the suffering didn't come because he had to pay for his sins because of all the people that he killed and all the Christians that, that he hurt. He wasn't suffering because he had to pay a price. No, he was suffering because he picked up his cross and he followed Jesus. You want to know how much suffering that, that Paul been through? He shared it with, this, with the church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians. He shared it with them. Let's read it. He says, to my shame, I admit that we were too weak for that. Whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to speak like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death time and time again. Five times I have received the Jews, the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I, I pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. Take this to the prosperity gospel preacher. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers and in danger from bandits. In danger from my fellow Jews and from Gentiles. In danger in the city and in the country at sea. And in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and had often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and I have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. In the midst of his suffering, he's thinking about the body of Christ. Who is weak, and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin, and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and the Father of the Lord Jesus, who is, the pray, who is to be praised forever, knows that I'm not lying. Marked by suffering. 
and worried about the church and the body of Christ and worried about God getting the glory. So powerful. The life of a testimony that chooses to put God first in every single circumstance despite their suffering. Philippians chapter 1 verse 29 says, For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but to also suffer for his sake. This almost made me angry. Are you understanding the Jesus that we serve? The God that we serve? He says that it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ. You know, grant, granted is a gift. If you're suffering for righteousness, it was granted to you. It's not that God takes pleasure in your suffering, but you know what he does take pleasure in? He takes pleasure in his son and his daughter standing firm and not breaking and not wavering and not being molded by culture and society and saying, I'm going to choose God above my circumstance. This doesn't make sense, but I refuse to allow confusion to break me. And if I find meaning... If I count the cost of my suffering, then God gets the glory. James chapter 1 verse 2 and 3, it says, Consider it a pure, pure joy when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. I mentioned earlier about Pastor Mike Neville mentioned earlier about Pastor Omar and our system pastors and the people that have lost, have dealt with the loss of life in this room unexpectedly, tragically, unjustified it didn't make sense but it's because of your perseverance that the favor and the hand of God is on your life is on the life of the person next to you is on the life of your children and your children's children and you are part of a body of Christ that is advancing the kingdom because of perseverance. Can you imagine? Let's shut down Praise Chapel because our lead pastor dies. Can you imagine Pastor Omar giving up because of the suffering and the trials that he's faced in the many years in his service? But it's the perseverance. I'm going to choose God despite my circumstances. And the cost of my suffering only means that God will get the glory. So why do we suffer? Don't know, but what I do know is that your suffering will nurture, it will bring about, it will foster repentance. So much power in a life that chooses the Lord despite suffering is a minute to win it and to see my family saved and to see God use their life that they will choose him and live life and life in abundance His suffering will bring people to repentance I know suffering but suffering brought me to Jesus there's no way around it as I was brought to my knees wondering how I can live a life as a so-called Christian 
and deal with suicidal thoughts. Lord, I'm failing as a Christian. I'm a terrible person. My wife hates me. I'm a terrible father. Maybe it'd be better if I just kill myself. And that thought alone was more painful than what I thought to actually end my life. And this suffering brought me to Jesus. Some of you are here for one reason and one reason only. It's because in your pain and in your suffering, you're searching for something. And that is Jesus. Friend, he loves you. He doesn't take joy in your suffering. But he will get the glory. You had nowhere else to turn but to God. And that's why some of us are here. And we hate suffering. But if it wasn't for it, we wouldn't be here. Some of us never think about God when things are going good. But when things are bad, we think about him all the time. Suffering also, what it does is, it brings about sanctification in our lives. It makes us more like God. Suffering and our trials and the perseverance of it makes us more like Jesus. When you think about how your character was shaped, think about it. How your character was shaped. Was it ease and comfort? Or was it pain? Was it working through the trenches? Was it being hopeful when there was no light at the end of the tunnel? What makes you strong? A little or a lot? The suffering and the things and the pains and the trials that we go through will foster sanctification. David wrote this, one of my favorite verses. He says this in Psalms 119. He says, my suffering was good for me. For it taught me to pay attention to your decrees. It's natural to hate suffering, church. Natural. But maybe our prayer shouldn't be, Lord, deliver me from this. But maybe it should be, will you reveal yourself to me in this? God will never waste your season. What the enemy meant for evil, God will use for his good. You have a testimony, but it comes with perseverance. There is an anointing on your life, but it comes with the price. There is a cost to your suffering. I understand that. But this life is temporary. And while we were here, I'm going to make sure that my God gets all of the glory through the pain, through the trial. I was attacked as I was preparing this message for a month. I had a conversation with my wife a week ago. I said, man, I don't know if it's the holiday blues or whatnot, and I never speak this over my life, but I said, man, I feel depressed. I talked it out for a little bit. Nothing changed. I didn't drag my feet and start kicking rocks, hanging my head. I, I did find myself doing some weird stuff, though. I did. It's a spiritual battle. I'm not downplaying your mental illness and all the things that come with it. But we have to understand that in our suffering, the enemy is working. And we have to constantly and consistently turn to a God who saves. A God that is loving. A God that is gracious. But a God that will strengthen you when you feel like he's not. 
I'm going to end with this. As I think of Saul, I think of Samson, Samson, and I think of Judas. As these people were afflicted and they were hurt. And I constantly remind myself that I will not call my own disobedience to God suffering. That's my affliction. That's what I've done to myself. That's what I do to my family. Those are things that are justified. But even in the midst of all of that, I find myself on a road to repentance. I find myself falling into the hands of a faithful father and the Holy Spirit bringing about conviction in any situation. And if you're feeling like maybe there's an answer from the beginning of this message till now, you're saying, it makes a little more sense. I can deal with this now. And you found meaning. And confusion doesn't reign. And at the cost of your suffering, God will get the glory. That's good. The enemy doesn't live in your head right now. And we won't give him that space. You're in the presence of the Almighty God. So we're going to give him all of our time, all our attention, our heart, our mind, and let him heal us. You want the healing of God. Do you want the healing of God? Because you've been suffering long enough. You've had the trials and you've had no answers. And you didn't know what to do. But today God will get the glory. Christianity is not the removal of suffering. Remember this. No matter what any preacher says. No matter how blessed he says you're going to be. How great next year is going to be. Christianity is not the removal of suffering, but the addition of grace to endure suffering triumphantly. Life and more life and life in abundance. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, Father, I pray God you begin to speak to your people. Lord, you're beginning to pull strings, Father, and you're beginning to shift and prioritize the things, Lord, in our hearts that weigh us down. And I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that there would be healing in this place today. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that there would be understanding, that there would be clarity. Father, even when it doesn't make sense, your spirit makes it make sense. You give me a whole new purpose, a whole new meaning regarding the things that I face. And Lord, I pray that you would get the glory. Church, you're in this place. And I just want to tell you how much the Jesus that I shared about suffering loves you. He died on a cross for your sins. He is patient. He is slow to anger. And there is a reason why you're sitting here today. It's because he wants to grace you with his love. He wants to grace you with his strength to endure this life that is temporary. You feel, the, you feel the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. God is speaking to you. It is but a still, small voice. It may feel like you're conscious. It may feel like, but I can tell you right now, the devil will not speak to you this way. As you are feeling the Holy Spirit and you say, I want this Jesus, 
I want to serve him and I want to commit my life to him. I want to suffer for the Lord. I want to give him my life. I want him to get the glory through it all. Church, if that's you, I want the honor and the privilege to pray for you. We've, most of us have done it before. It's not a crazy thing. It's not embarrassing. It is, it is the most beautiful thing and the most powerful and courageous thing that you can do. And listen, I want to pray with you. If that's you and you feel the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and you say what this man is talking about, I want to receive this Jesus in my heart. I've been running for too long. If that's you, will you raise your hand? A simple raise of the hand so I can see it, that's all. I see one hand there. I see another hand there. There's hands all across this place. I see those hands. You can put them down. God bless you. Is there anyone else that wants to join these courageous people, these bold people that will say, I want to serve the Lord. I want to commit my life to Him. If that's you, will you raise your hand? Amen. Man, listen, this is my favorite part of the service. It's those of you that raise your hand. I want to invite you to come to this altar so we can pray together. Listen, church, will you stand with them? Will you let them know? Can you tell them they've done an amazing thing? Listen, come, please. Don't be distracted. Nobody's, nobody should be embarrassed. This is not, this is not an embarrassing moment. This is, this is so, such a joyous moment. The Bible says that heaven rejoices. Will you repeat this prayer after me? Lord, I say it like this, that the sinner's prayer is, is but a wedding. You say your vows, but there's work to be done after. We're going to say a vow to the Lord. We're going to put our faith and our trust in Him. So repeat this prayer, but say it to the Lord. Say, Lord Jesus, I commit my life to you. I am yours. Will you walk with me? Will you give me strength? Will you give me grace? and wisdom to be a faithful follower of you. Lord, I thank you for your grace and I thank you for your mercy. Be with me as I now pursue you for the rest of the days of my life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Listen, church, can we give the Lord a hand of praise? We're gonna pray with these people. But listen, will you guys, will you guys pray with them? Will you be, look, people are gonna pray with you, okay? I wanna talk to you guys really fast. Man, God is so good. God is so good. Listen, church. God doesn't waste seasons. He doesn't take joy in your suffering. But even in the midst of your suffering, He loves you and He gives you grace and strength. If you were moved, if any message today had spoken to you and you want to begin to work that out with the Lord, I invite you to this place. Can we fill up these altars? Come on, step all the way forward. Let's begin to work out what the Lord is doing in this place. I believe that God is going to heal some people. I believe God is going to set some people free. There are old mindsets that need to, to, need to be let go. There are things that we need to lay at the feet of Jesus and say, God, I've been holding on to this for too long. God, I've been mad and angry for too long. Will you begin to take this from me? Come on, will you guys make room for the people that are coming still Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com slash give.